Hi, my name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek. This is The Last Podcasters, Avatar The Last Podcasters. And today we're going to do a very special episode because today, February 21st, 2020. Is that right? 2020? Oh, that sounds terrible. We, it's already 2020. And Avatar The Last Airbender is already 15 years old as of today. So happy birthday, Avatar The Last Airbender. And <laughs> if I have some fireworks sound effects going off, this is right where I'll put them right here. Happy birthday, Avatar. It's a huge celebration. 15 years for our favorite television show. Nothing makes me feel quite as old as knowing that I'm twice as old as this show is. What a horrible feeling. But it's cause for celebration today. So we knew that we couldn't just do a normal episode. We wanted to do something special. And we decided to do today, for your viewing pleasure, the top 10 Avatar The Last Airbender moments. So we're going to start from 10, go down to 1 in order of uh, least to greatest. Least being relative because they're all amazing. We had a really hard time paring it down to 10. But <laughs> that's, a, that's all there is to it. We're really excited to bring this to you. It was a ton of fun to put together. We initially, I was like, hey, we're going to do this over a couple of days. And like five minutes later, we both had our 10 mile long lists of moments. So it was a lot of fun to put together. Really excited to I get started. I already had a list. <laughs> Chris came pre-prepared. And full disclosure, uh, most of this list is a lot closer to his list than mine. But that's because it was a great list. That's all. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to our topic, which is number 10. Number 10, Aang doesn't kill Ozai. This is really just a huge, uh, this is really hugely epitomizes Aang's journey, right? To me, this is just completely describes who Aang, the character is. I absolutely love characters who, who are right, you know, who are kind of stuck and in their ways, whether because their ways are meaningful, because they mean something, because they mean something to the character, and and you know does that here. Even when his past lives are telling him you have to kill the Fire Lord, even when his fiberling teacher is like, hey, you got to kill my dad, even when his future wifey is like, hey, you know what, you're fine killing, yeah, uh, you're fine <laughs> killing the Fire Lord. He finds a way out of it, and first off, the fight is really amazing it's one of the best fights in the show um but to me that was just more action actiony which is great the animation is amazing everything ang versus ozai and full avatar stay beautifully animated beautifully scored um but then you get here to the point where ang you know he decides not to kill him um and even even in that one instance when you know ang oh i just i just love it so much when all the voices of the avatars come out. It's just like, Fire Lord Ozai, you and your forefathers have, I always have love that the balance booming, of the earth. <laughs> that booming, like, chorus voice effect. I always love that. Yes. Yes, it is. It's just like, this is representation of, of everything you guys have done coming back to bite you in the butt. It's like, and now you will pay the ultimate price. And just all the four elements coming down, swirling on each other to strike down Ozai. Nope, Aang, for the first time in a series, controls the Avatar state. He stops it. Sure, when he was triggered into the Avatar state in this moment, uh, it was by pure luck, <laughs> really, but still amazing. I don't care. Uh, but here, this is the first time he's ever stopped it himself. All the other times, Katara had to be there, had to be there 
to to weigh him down and bring him down to earth. But this time he finally controlled it. He says, no, I'm not going to end it this way. And Ozai says, even with all the power in the world, you are still weak. And I really love the way this next scene is animated. All right, Aang, he, one thing he can seismic sense him. He just nonchalantly, just like, he, he does a kick up, which takes the first hand of earth bending, and then he like circles around him, does the other hand, and then he just like lowers him down to himself. Oh, it's so beautiful. And then the whole just like, with the fire in the air that just goes over him. And then the creepy music, like, That's a great <laughs> music sample there, too. Yeah, really great. I know um, we're not then supposed we flash. to... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I know we're not supposed to lump it together with the fight, but I lump it together with the fight because yeah. I can't separate mm-hmm. them. And then it's, it's, it's like the... It's maybe not the biggest lesson or moral in the show, but it's kind of the ultimate one. If you think about, like, this is like Aang brought this to all of Avatardom. Like, what did all of the previous Avatars like? Did Kurok contribute anything that no Avatar ever did before? Did they do anything that's like sort of show worthy that nobody else Good had point. done previously? Like, this is what defines Aang as opposed to previous Avatars uh, in a very literal way, given his conversations in yeah. his past lives. And that's that's pretty cool. It's pretty solid for yeah. number ten. Try to top number ten. I know, right? This, nine is, this is our this is our number ten this... moment, and I'm already geeking out <laughs> geeking out over it and i absolutely love what that lion turtle says to ang he says the true mind can weather all the lies and illusions without being lost the true heart can tough the poison of hatred without being harmed though darkness thrives in the void it always yields to purifying light like if you had to describe ang it would be purifying light to bring me about to bring me to tears on number 10 right there who knew that a, yes. that a turtle would be wiser than all the avatars i guess after we watch core we probably would know it later but different different yeah. topic for a different day yeah that's that's number 10 you know it maybe maybe would get to be a little higher if it weren't basically like an entire episode i mean it's it's a great moment it's amazing but it, we just essentially described an entire episode right at the end there between an amazing fight and then this kind of dialogue back and forth between Aang and past lives and Ozai. So maybe it gets docked just a little bit for being 20 minutes long, give or take. But it's not taking anything away from it. It's amazing. It is essentially the ultimate the uh, the ultimate climax of our favorite show. And that's, well, that's pretty powerful. Number nine, Aang versus the Second Benders, or as I like to think of it personally, is essentially Katara anchors Aang. And so here we see that Aang and the gang have arrived at where the Sandbenders, I guess their hideout, their HQ, if you will. And he finds out that essentially one of the Sandbenders took Appa and sold him to a salesman in Bossing Say. Aang loses, loses his mind, jumps into the Avatar state, but the whole time you have the certainty that it is he's not under control. It's not an intentional entry into the Avatar state. It is absolutely out of control. And he's about to absolutely wreck shop 100% on all the Sandbenders, break all of his morals, and then Katara steps in very tearfully, very powerfully, and literally and figuratively pulls him back down to Earth. And it is extremely mm. touching. Uh, it shows you the power and the weight the Aang's friends and loved ones have over him and over even the most, essentially the, I don't even know what to call the Avatar state, the most powerful type of being in existence. 
um, and for Katara just to step in very bravely and confidently and drag him back down. And it's got to be one of the one of the most emotional points in the yes, show definitely. by Miles. Definitely. There are so many great things about this moment. Like, and think about all these moments. You know, they could easily be anybody's number one. Um, I, I wish I could remember to speak out everything in this moment. One of the great things I loved about this moment is that at the end there, Katara's holding Aang and he's crying. The dichotomy between being the world's most powerful being in 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 the world and also still being a kid and crying like that tear it's just so so beautiful um the one also amazing thing about this scene that goes unseen by a person that can't see if you see it through their eyes it's pretty interesting i think um so <laughs> that sounded really so deep you... let me try to wrap my head around that <laughs> Yeah. This unseen so, by a person who can't see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you ever think about this scene through the unfocused lens of Toph. <laughs> um, so Toph meets Aang, right? She's like, oh, he's twinkle toes. He's weak and everything. Mm-hmm. All right. He was not weak, but he's like, he's very soft hearted. He's very kind. And Toph, Toph has never seen the Avatar state before this. Toph has no real idea or clue about how much power Aang really holds, but everyone else does. Um, so, I mean, she tries to save Appa. She doesn't. And I think she's, one, she's mad that she couldn't save him as well. Um, but when they finally send Benders, Toph is sort of egging Aang on in, in, a, in a friend way, like also attacking this other person, right? She's like, oh, yeah, I know that voice. I never forget a voice. That's him. Um, he told, he said to put a muzzle on him. And Angus, when when he heard, when Ang heard that, you muzzled Appa. And she's so, trying to stand up for she's trying to stand up for herself a little bit too here as well because yeah. remember she essentially made the right decision previously and got yes. and got bit in the rear by it. So uh, no no finger pointing at Toph by our uh, on our part no, for no. essentially standing up for herself. Yeah, but so Toph usually sees with her feet, but right she's on the sand. She can't really see anything. Right, and also she can only hear things. When Aang goes into the Avatar state, before that, all she hears is his voice. Right? Imagine like being in the dark, having all your senses deprived of you, except for your hearing. You hear your friend talk, and then you hear, "Tell me where Appa is." You're like, "Whoa, what? What the f was that?" Sorry. It's- it was close like, enough to your Batman voice for that to be really funny uh, to think about. Yeah. Batman just showing up in the room behind you. We sorry, I don't have any great voice uh, voice layover <laughs> effects, but that was a great voice. And then for her to like just feel, I'm pretty sure she could feel the energy combing around Aang and her being freed out to a point of that she can't move anymore. Sokka has to grab her hand and move her out the way while Katara brings him down to Earth. That's one of the, the one of the you know powerful things of this scene, um, but also it's, it's just a, a great scene. I mean, I just love it because Aang really is just pissed off, just really pissed off. It's it's just pure anger, Aang. Like probably, I think he was about to kill those people. Probably the angriest we've, maybe the angriest that we see Aang in the show. I can't, you know, you can think of a part where he's, yeah. uh, you know, the ending of the show or whatever. But even then, he's not livid like he is here yeah 
Also, it's important to note that Appa is Aang's last um, last remaining friend and reminder of the Air Nomads. Um, it's really just them two. So, um, okay. So, yeah. So, another great moment. Another great moment. On to moment number eight. It is Aang and La, a.k.a. the Ocean Spirit. Um, the moon spirit is killed by Zhao, and the ocean spirit takes over. Oh, yeah, we're so let me backtrack a little bit here. Yeah, the ocean spirit takes over, and I just love this scene of Aang in the spirit, in the, uh, yeah, the spirit oasis in the water. And he just says, uh, Yue says, it's all over. And then Aang, or really the ocean spirit, I think, in the after state, through Aang, just says, no, it's not over. And then he just, it's so beautifully animated. He just like drops into the water. And then the way the scene um, just continues to go, just that warm blue color just engulfs really, uh, just sort of breaks through the darkness of that scene. And it's so beautifully animated, so beautifully scored. And then he becomes, uh, becomes the ocean spirit and he just wreaks havoc. And one of the things I love about this scene is that it gets, it ties a lot into like belief and faith because the ocean spirit is killing anybody who's not bowing to them. Like all the waterbenders, they are bowing down to him. He's like, you're cool. Fire Nation people, they still got up <laughs> hands like, nah, you dead. And then <laughs> he just well, The waterbenders have been waiting for this their whole life. Like they're waterbenders. Yeah. This, this is their second <laughs> like, coming. Yeah. Imagine... I'm getting a little sacrilegious here, but imagine Jesus Christ coming down and being like, you are cool, my child. And then, okay, that, <laughs> everyone else. It, my and everyone else was like, nah. I I love that you described the, the, the beauty part and the, the art history of Aang kind of combining with the ocean spirit. Because uh, I would have totally forgotten it if you had asked me to describe this scene. Because all I can think of is even just, just him wrecking shop. This has to be my, like, my favorite destructive sequence. This like rampage the game stuffed into Avatar The Last Airbender. Mm. Um, yeah. And, again, there there are certainly other action-heavy moments. But in terms of like scale and scope, uh, this has to be maybe the one of at least my favorite big action moment of the entire series i absolutely love it um i know we had to make some compromises some give and take this is certainly one that i would i would happily put higher on a personal list just because it's one of my favorite memories of the whole show yeah this this is a scene that made me a lifelong fan of the show i think like um i think so i forget what scene i think which is not on its list but the scene the first agony kai between zhao and Zuko, I think made me like, oh, made me a fan of the show. Like, I got to pay attention to the show. And then this scene here made me think, I need to commit my life to the show. <laughs> the the, the Zhao the Zhao Zuko scene that's like a that's like a jab of like, hey, pay attention. This is the hook yeah. right here. This is this is what keeps you. Uh, I think me too. Yeah. I think this is the first the first point. Now, granted, I thought maybe he would have more adventures as a massive sea monster, which didn't exactly happen, but I, don't worry, I wasn't mm. disappointed. <laughs> great, great moment. Again, amazing moment. Yes. We're only at number eight. 
I keep I keep kind of forgetting everything else. I'm like, what could we have possibly yeah. put ahead of this? That's outlandish. Um, yeah, and then just tying a little bit into this moment is the is the death of of UA. You know, the only thing that calmed calmed down uh, La or the Ocean Spirit was that UA sacrificed herself. Another great moment. That finale is really top notch. Avatar knows that I do finales really really well, especially that episode. It is a two part finale, but uh, this one, I mean, you can really pair this episode away from the previous one. Uh, it's probably one of the better overall episodes of the show, yeah. uh, objectively per our ratings, of course. <laughs> it's, it's probably pretty high up there. I don't remember at this point, but we both loved this one more so, at least, than the Crossroads of Destiny or the finale of season two. Number seven, the tale of Iroh, and I'm not going to try to. <laughs> I'm not going to do the discredit to this this snippet here because it might be one of Chris's favorite overall moments of the show. So I'm actually <laughs> going to beg Chris to describe this one for me and go into detail. I mean, it's a it's a very very simple moment, right? This is this is one of the moments that if you think about, you you could just cry because it informs the character of Iroh so much. Um, you know, you get in, well. First of all, you know, as, I've, as we've gone through before in our episode reviews, I love this episode. Um, even before it gets to gets to the uh, um, leaves from the vine, because it's just a nice episode. Iroh going through his day to day routine, talking to people, giving advice, and then you know he, you see he's gathering up for like um, some type of picnic, and and you know he 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 goes on top of the hill, which is beautifully. Um, I want to say landscaped. It's beautifully choreographed <laughs> of just of him on the hill. Well, and, then and the gardener, just kind of the a gardener did shot. a great job up there too. So it really was beautifully landscaped. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, beautifully cinema. I don't know the verb for cinematography. <laughs> cinematograph. Oh, just uh, beautifully say beautiful shot cinematography. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, beautiful cinematography. Um, you know, he lights the incense. And you know, he puts a picture of his son Luten there, and he says, "If only I could have saved you." And that line of "If only I could have saved you" is really the linchpin to the whole entire series, because if Luten, if Luten survived, everything would have changed. Ira wouldn't have gone down this path. He wouldn't have adopted Zuko. He probably would have became Fire Lord. Farlor Azulon will probably still be the Fire Lord because no one would have performed, uh, tried to kill him. No one would have had a, you know, a coup to take the throne. And, and you get so much into the character of Iroh. Um, and this is just so beautifully voice acted by, by Mok, by Mako. Uh, yeah, Mako. Um, and he sings Leaves from the Vine. And that song, I really want to know the inspiration for that song. I know Jeremy Zuckerman, um, the composer for Avatar, didn't write it. I believe, from what I've researched, Michael DiMartino wrote it. But if I ever meet Michael DiMartino, I just want to know, like, how did you come up with Leaves from the Vine? Because it is so, the wording in it and the lyrics are so subtle, but there's so much meaning behind it. I know we have our disagreements on the episode as a whole, but I'm happy to happy to admit that this is easily one of the best pieces of storytelling in the entire series. Uh, these, you learn so much in these, let's call it four minutes, give or take. 
Um, it does a beautiful job of wrapping up essentially a very massive... Uh, it's not just one character, but multiple characters, and you did a better job than I've ever even considered the past two minutes, uh, breaking that out even like to a political scope and bigger ramifications. And it does all of this uh, in a matter of essentially four minutes in a really crisp, clear style, very memorable, makes you want to tear up. Thanks for describing it. See, I didn't. I didn't want to discredit it. There's no way I could have. Uh, there's no way I could have given the heart to describing this moment like you could. So I'm glad, oh, well, in hindsight, that I let you take it. This amazing moment. I think if you had your way, you'd probably have it a little higher, and that's totally okay. Yeah. A little give and take here. There. Point is, <laughs> I think most of the internet will agree that this is one of the better moments in the entire show. Moment number six is Zuko's betrayal, um, or really the, the whole finale of the Crossroads of Destiny. This episode, it's an amazing episode, but beyond that, you get to that certain point where Zuko is truly at his crossroads. He, on one hand, he could go and be with Team Avatar. It looks like we are all building up to that. On the other hand, Azula plays her cards just perfectly. Azula tells him, like, hey, I actually need you uh, today. Like, I can't do this without you. And just that little bit of of Azula manipulation gets into Zuko. And just that one, you know, standpoint moment of everyone kind of in their, what they call that, Mexican standoff. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, uh, and you realize that you know, Zuko then turns to Aang, and the beautiful thing about this shot is that Aang, he sees it coming before it actually happens, which I think is an air nomad thing. I've realized in watching, I've been watching a lot of core lately, so I did divert a little bit, but I think air nomads have like this weird sense of, of premonition. Like they can just feel that the, I, don't know, I want to say they can feel the changes in the air. Is it is it right? fair to say that kind of accompanies the idea of like, you know, we talk about Aang and airbenders in general maybe being very evasive, at least the modern group of airbenders represented in this show. Um, yeah. Evasive, defensive, that kind of thing. It sort of fits that same trope of trying to be one step ahead of your opponent by sort of knowing yeah. what's coming or understanding what's coming. Yeah, I just remember in, in Legend of Korra uh, when Tenzin is shaving that one guy, right? Uh, later on in the episode, that same guy... One thing he tends in, he didn't have to cut his hair, <laughs> but the guy didn't know that. Um, they're fighting some people, and the guy's like, he's new to airbending. Someone like shoots his net at him, and he can just like feel the the air, I guess, change around him because it kind of does this verbally, verbally this this vibrating thing around him, and he ducks and he turns over and he like airbends that person away. Um, similar thing, Tenzin and Legend of Korra when. When Tenzin and Lin are at a pro bending game, and this is when the Equalists attack the pro bending stadium, Tenzin can sort of sense he like he's quicker than Lin Beifong is because he, he reacts to this person coming in and attacks Lin's first. He attacks that person before that person actually starts to attack. So I don't know, pretty interesting. Anyway, divert a little bit from there, but <laughs> no, um, that all but builds fight... up into the beauty of this moment that he doesn't. Uh... He doesn't dodge it. He does. I mean, he sees it, but he doesn't essentially doesn't react to it appropriately, at least. Yeah, yeah. In the commentary, um, Mike and Brian say, like, if you notice, like, oh, Aang actually sees that he actually reads Zuko quick, 
Um, but yeah, he, he was only quick enough to really block it and not necessarily like respond and react to it. I think he was probably just disappointed than anything. Right? He wasn't like, mad. He was just disappointed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe a little um, bit of denial there too. Like he's such a positive optimist. Yes, denial. Yeah. Yes, Angus Optimus. But this fight is an amazing fight, um, which is weird because Aang sort of loses to both Azula and Zuko in this fight, which no one talks about. You know, not tough, important. Tough break. Um, tough break. And Azula. He was out of his Katara, element. He was in a. He was in a cave. You know, he was like in, entrapped in a dome. That's not. That's not the. That's not the yeah, Airbender's like, ideal home had, like, court. Yeah, I think he had everything going for him. He had water there. <laughs> he had earth. He had air. Chris, I'm trying oh. to defend Aang here. Come on. <laughs> uh, but Katara, this is a great Katara moment. Oh yeah, it um, is. Yeah, and then, so then Aang decides he's going to turn his back on Katara. Literally, like he has to do that, and he goes into the Avatar state. Although he doesn't master the Avatar state that time, which that's interesting because. Right, he purposely can go into the Avatar state, but he can't control it. If he was able to control it, his eyes would just glimmer for a second. Um, and then Azula shoots him down. That's why he couldn't. That's why you had to control the Avatar state and master it before you actually like do it, because you left yourself open to that attack. Um, and Katara swooshes in there, and she saves him, and you know she ends up healing him. Does he die? Does he not die? I don't know. That's that gets some extra weight for this moment too. Is just the fact that it was a finale and it kept us. You know, yeah. I mean, I think we all felt pretty good that he wasn't dead, but like we still had to go a few months not knowing for sure, right? So, extra weight for being the finale for holding us in in suspense for in between entire seasons. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, anything else to add to the greatness of this moment? No, I love this episode uh, other than just it inspires some of my my dislike for Zuko in general that other people do not harbor as, as strongly as I do. But I take that in a good way. It's doing what he is yeah. supposed to do as oh, a character. And, and Azula truly proves, <laughs> proves herself to be an, a stellar villain in this yes, episode. Yeah. And I have to say, I was pissed off at Zuko. Like, I've never been pissed off at a character from a, anything like i was mad for like three weeks i'm like how could zuko do this like i would be just anywhere like in the car 14 days later i'm like i can't believe zuko didn't go with team avatar which is interesting enough if you ask the writers like aaron ehos to this day will say like oh yeah i remember how mad fans were that zuko <laughs> betrayed them in the crossroads of destiny and oh, and we haven't gotten to the, the biggest betrayal. Really, isn't to Team Avatar. The biggest betray, uh, betrayal is to Iroh. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that. He just <laughs> just stabbed right in the feels. The yeah. uh, basically her favorite or second favorite character in the entire show. Yeah, and the way you know Iroh then fights them all off as Katara gets Aang away, which is just great. And then he realizes he doesn't realize he's like, all right, I've done what I need to do, and he. He just resigns himself to being uh, caught and captured, and he has to. He can't even look at Zuko. He's so disappointed. Well, and I don't think he wants yeah. to. I don't think he has any inclination of hurt them. Right? It was literally pure uh, distraction, yes. diversion, yeah. and yeah. that was it. So probably get to see him. Uh, that's probably the fullest power we've gotten out of him to this point. So that's pretty cool too, or at least the greatest control over a single fight where it seems like he should be a little outmanned. Great, great fight scene in its own right. Number five, Zuko confronts Ozai. We, at this point, we know, I know I'm going to butcher this moment too. 
at this point we know Zuko is a good guy. He's been he's been following Team Avatar around for a little bit now. But this is still it almost feels like another potential turning point, another potential point for betrayal or something like that. You're just not quite sure you know what's supposed to happen, you're just not quite sure that it's gonna happen. But it essentially feels like Zuko's entire arc throughout all three seasons builds up to this moment and you wonder if he's actually gonna go through with anything, be able to turn turn the page, make the right decision. Um, put like a final little positive context cap on his character art that some people say is the greatest character art <laughs> in television. Some people, potentially do, on this people. show or not on this show. <laughs> the the amazing thing about that I always take away from this episode is is it just epitomizes the power to overcome your oppressors um zuko was abused by his father and this was a case where like no i'm finally standing up to my for myself i'm finally seeing things for the way they truly are and you all and you ozai are a horrible person and this reminds me of 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 the movie finding fish which is based off a book um oh no the movie antoine fisher which is based off a book called finding fish it's about Antoine Fisher. He, it's his autobiography. <clears throat> he uh, was raised in foster care system. He was abused, sexually abused by his, by um, people who were meant, who uh, he was supposed to trust. And he, you know, he went through life with that. And eventually, he got to, he got, he went to the army or the navy, and he finally was able to, to find himself. And he finally confronts this like foster mom and this other lady. And the moment in the movie is, is so powerful. Like he's like, you, you couldn't break me. Like you, you thought you could, but you could. I'm still here. I'm still standing. And this moment completely epitomizes that. Uh, and also, what it does is that it really brings to light the atrocities of the Fire Nation, and you know how Zuko's like, you know, the atrocities of, of Ozai himself, of like, you know, you, my father, challenge me, a boy, to an Agni Kai. It was cruel. And he says, it was to teach you a lesson. It's like, I've learned everything. I've learned it on my own. Um, just so, so beautiful. And he also talks about the Fire Nation and how, you know, growing up, the Fire Nation was, they were taught that the Fire Nation was the best country and everything. Um, and, you know, the war was their way of sharing their wealth with the world. But, you know, Zuka found out that the world hates them. They despise them. Um, it's just such a great... And, and powerful moment i freaking love it i just got through the episode of community where they talk about the uh, history being written by the victors well this is like if if zuko always felt like the fire nation was the victorious side and that's the history that he knew but now he's been out in the world and he's gotten to see these other histories i just wanted an opportunity to talk about community uh, and this <laughs> is the point uh, surely he's been thinking on it losing sleep over it for for nights on end, maybe throughout the entire series, you would like to think, uh, but this is the point where it like all culminates to a final purpose for him, or sort of a final complete understanding of breaking yes. off and doing his own thing. I really this, it really is the culmination of his tremendous character arc, right in this yes, moment. Yes, ab absolutely. Yeah, to me, there's to me like the stories within the character. There's their character arc, which is you know when they confront. <clears throat> Uh, they confront that lie that they tell themselves, um, or they or they have that lie that they tell themselves, and they confront it all throughout the story, and then they finally realize that oh, that's a lie. This is the real truth. 
And then there's their actual like story arc. Like Suko is a fully fleshed. His arc is complete. His character arc is complete here. He is the person that he should be. He has the ideals that he should have. But he still has more story to do. Uh, but this moment is really important. Uh, not the most, not like the most actiony. You know, up to this point and outside of Iroh's story, we've pretty kind of action heavy moment so this one's not this just we're kind of riding on pure emotion is what makes yeah. this great um again which is I know interesting too, because but... yeah which is interesting because there's a little action here in, in, in the scene you know after ozai when he plays zuko to stay he tells him about his mother and he says like your mother did treasonous things that night and she was banished for as her punishment your punishment will be far more severe and then right at that moment the sun comes up he freaking double lightning zuko and you think holy crap double lightning never seen that before but then zuko comes back with it and then <laughs> and then redirects it right back at him and like at that moment zuko could have killed ozai if he just directed it at him but he didn't direct it at the if base didn't shoot to... like a stormtrooper <laughs> yeah. no it was on purpose i, I get it yes it's fine um but that's because he now knows his own destiny he knows what he needs to do fleeting so yeah fleeting glimpse there but there's it's not like there's a big fight or when i'm no, thinking of yeah, the moon spirit, the ocean spirit wrecking shop or anything there's yeah. nothing like any of those moments uh it's yeah. just oh and the pure, so pure character yeah the and also one of the biggest character moments in this is you know when he when he tells her when ozai tells zuko that your mother was banished and then zuko's like so she's alive oh yeah at that moment at that moment Zuko usually, you know, we've seen Zuko cry plenty of times, but most of the time it's just crying out of his, um, out of his good eye. And every now and then he waters up a little bit if it's something really bad, but he can't like fully do it. But here he cries out of both eyes, which is just beautiful storytelling done in the most subtle of ways. And you know what? You gotta ask yourself. Maybe it's good that Zuko had another purpose come up, right? Like he just achieved purpose number one. Now we're gonna save him from like any sort of. De- depressive post uh, post character arc mode by giving him a new a new objective in life. So maybe that's a good thing to keep yeah. him on the straight and narrow. Yep. Moment number four: Sokka and Toph hang on Gosh, for dear life. Tearing up this already. Is... <laughs> it's funny because honestly, kind of compared to the other moments, this moment uh, it's kind of a uh, Cinderella story here to come in at number four. But this is one of my favorite absolute moments of the show i think it just really epitomizes that like there are real stakes here um and this episode is beautifully directed by john carla volpe um and to, to set the scene up Sokka and toff are taking down airships Sokka is pretty much just holding toff's hand the whole way because she can't really see all that well she's on top of an airship and some firebenders like firebend at them and they have to like jump off the airship Sokka has a sword. He's like gripping, like the, clawing into the, the side of the ship. Yeah, like it. clawing into the side of the ship. They fall on this little hanger thing, and Sokka's sword drops right by him, and he's just holding on to Toph. And you can tell this is probably the hardest thing he's ever done in his life. That is his dear friend. If he drops her, she is dead. So, I mean, people have rarely ever been this close to death in this show. I'm sure when Aang actually almost died, but this is like 
Yeah, to but me, this we, is more knew, of a human. we knew Aang was, was yeah. coming back. This one, there's a sense of, I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the finale. It's the finale. Anything could happen. Like it could happen, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and also, like, to me, this type of death is a, it's a tangible death. Like, we know how it feels to fall. We, like, we know, as humans, falling from that height is certain death. Right and shows. Oh, if I get attacked by energy beam, I don't know if that's death or not. We like it's it's a vague. We don't stuff. have like a hit point meter that we know that that's going to yeah. take that off. No, this is no. very uh, this is a very relatable way for a small <laughs> child to die on television. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and then coming at them are are five benders on every side. Sokka just holding on. But this is just probably the greatest thing Sokka's ever done. He kicks up his sword, throws it at the other guys, chops off their ledge, he grabs the boomerang, throws it at all the other people, and, like, that was his last stand. And it's still not, like, really enough. There's still that uh, that trouble. There's still that uncertainty that things will be okay. And the way that their hands do this, it's so beautiful anime, like, it's, it's a stronghold, and then it just slowly, like, slips away into just by the fingertips... It is so beautifully animated, um, and the thing that that Toph says of oh, wait, did she say? There's there's just a great moment between Toph and Sokka in this moment. Like she's crying. I think she they both know the situation is dire, and then they could be dying. But at least I get the sense that they're at least doing their best, and they're you know they're gonna die together. We, I feel like all the uh, we've gotten all the scenes like on the wrong numbers. Like we should have thought who was going to do which one and 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 arbitrarily. <laughs> finic- no, that would be wrong. But I wish I had the scene because it's it's one of my favorites of all time. I don't cry in TV, and I didn't cry when I saw this. I don't cry in movies and that stuff. Um, but if I had to pick a moment where if I was a normal person who did cry, it would be this moment. But then also it has. It has like everything I like about television and movies all together. It's like favorite characters, good things essentially happening to my favorite characters. I don't do well with with unhappy endings, and this has a happy ending, even if it's kind of a depressive way. You've got like an action movie, like a Schwarzenegger set of moves that Sokka's pulling off, one handed and one footed. So you've got like big action. We're on the airship, uh, saving the loved one. Like everything that I love in television and movies is crammed into this. And I don't usually love the feels, but like I said, it's got like a nice, happy, uh, going out with a friend and a loved one kind of feel to it. And so, if if there was a moment where if I could like hit a cry button, I'd pick this moment right here. It's it's one of my favorites. It was also probably one of the most, you know, in our top moments, we didn't really have too much disagreement. Like in the best moments, I think we were pretty close, um, pretty much the whole way. Especially after I saw your list, and I was like, oh yeah, these. <laughs> that's great i'm I'm being stupid that's that's what am i thinking um so really not too much disagreement there and this one probably was as soon as i saw it on your list i was like that's that's gotta be up gotta be near the top as close as i can get it gotta keep it up there yeah so number three the final agni kai so here we have zuko and azula and katara right and we yep. get one final standoff. Azula, like, peak crazy. Essentially, at this point, I think we've all accepted that she is a is, is maybe the top-notch villain in the show. Obviously, I know Ozai is the big bad. 
But you've got Azula at the peak of her powers, pinnacle of crazy, one final showdown to put her down, get to see everybody at full strength. Zuko, Zuko fully turned, Katara at the pinnacle of her powers. It is the ultimate fight scene in this movie, maybe with exception to the final fight between Ozai and Aang. Uh, but I will also kind of put that on a pedestal on its own. That's not really a... I don't know, that's got a different vibe. It's not really an Agni Kai, right? That's almost like... Mm. That's that's kind of otherworldly even, but uh, this is sort of the ultimate action scene and a tremendous final fight, tremendous way for a great villain to go out. Yes, the when I think about this fight, I first think about the music or the lack thereof. All right, this is one of those cases where less is definitely more. Um, and hearing them talk about it, they're you know they're like yeah we could have done like some big bombastic thing and it would have fit but you really just want the fight to speak for itself and some of that quietness like it's just those like just small little boom and like and the visuals is just that blue with that you know fiery orange it's just visually amazing and the fight itself you know the way that Azula is just so unhinged, and she's moving unlike she's ever moved before. Um, and then Zuko does the spin-a-rooney that we all love, and he knocks her off. Um, we should have had a counter. All, we should have had a yeah, counter. Just, just all really, really good stuff. It, to me, this is just like poetry and motion. And then you know, and Zuko ends up winning, right? And then for the first time, it seems like. Azula lowers herself and she kind of gives up on this, on the rules and on Agni Kai. And, you know, she attacks, um, she attacks Katara with the lightning. Zuko jumps in. At that point, things look really dire because this is Katara with no power ups. <laughs> no power ups at all. It's just her, her water bending. No full moon, none of that. And against a fully powered azula who's 10 times stronger than she normally is and, and unhinged Katara... powerful is its own kind of powerful here too that's like yeah no holds oh, barred gosh, and... that's a different kind yeah. of rage and gray delisle griffin does an amazing job voice acting here because her laughter is like it's just on the edge when you know when she comes after uh Katara, she's like ha, 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 and it's just like <laughs> attacking her Oh, this makes it's... me think of Icky Vicky. I can't not think of it. This uh, is yeah. easily, uh, in, well, I shouldn't say easily. In my opinion, it is the best fight animation, like just the, be the best artistry in a fight, the best animation in a fight Agree. overall. Agree. Uh, you know, I, I have to be honest, and I do feel silly for saying this. I kind of forgot there wasn't any music, but I suppose that speaks to the point of that you're 100% <laughs> focused on this very heavy, the, the amount of detail, the amount of things going on in this one fight, unlike any other fight in the entire series. Like I said, Avatar, Aang, and Ozai, sort of non-withstanding as its own separate entity. Uh, this is a, the most pure fight scene, the best done fight scene, in a series that is full of them. Yes. yes. And the way it ends with Katara, you know, she, she uh, outsmarts Azula. She traps her in the ice, which is amazing water bending done by Katara. And then she traps Azula in, in chains. What is like so haunting is Azula just like locked up in chains, just breathing fire. Like she is just mad. Like imagine 
just compare that person to that first person we see who has the the monologue about the tides. Like this person's in control. This person is just completely unhinged and out of control. Um, you know, we we talk about character arcs very often in in the show for great reason, but I kind of forget just how good of a character arc Azula's is because character arcs don't have to be positive. They don't have to be in anything. terms like, of Azula's... absolute value <laughs> over <laughs> yeah. under. In terms of absolute value, hers yes. is is literally great. <laughs> yes, yes, um, and like and sure she, you know, when we talk about character arcs, to me the the basis of a good character arc is. A character confronting this lie that they tell themselves. Azula's lie would be that, hey, I am royalty. I am the most powerful person. I have a right to rule. I am in control of everybody else. And by the end of it, the thing is, she doesn't come to that realization, really. I don't, she hasn't really come to that realization yet, but she's heading. Swinging she's in this so of, far. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She is on that pathway to that realization that she, you know, she's been defeated. And, you know, the way she cries in the scene and the, the amazing way that that Katara looks at her after she goes and heals Zuko of just like Katara looks like, holy crap, like she pities her like this enemy that you just defeated both her and Zuko just like we're sorry that that it had to come to this. It's uh, she. It's like grounding herself, like digging her heels into her lie even further was like her fuel. And also, I can't help myself when we're talking about doing great things, terrible but great, and it just makes me think of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> creepy, creepy old Ollivander. But well, it's a great quote. <laughs> it is, yeah, and you know something to, I don't know, something to not take out of context and to say the full quote. But yes, great but terrible, and uh, Azula. <laughs> You were a tremendous villain. You put up a great fight. Maybe maybe we'll have the opportunity in future events for Azula to have some redemption. We'll see. Let's get to the next mm -hmm. one here. Moment numero dos. It is Rupatik and Aang's uh, clearing his chakras. Specifically when he talks about the love for the Air Nomads. Um, in the scene, Aang's gone through clearing his chakras and he's sort of being a little bit of apprehensive towards just like little parts of it, like the food and stuff, he could be a little bit better. I mean, he was fine, but you know, he talks a lot of about... trust in this random stranger, though. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, f I feel his apprehension. So Aang is going through and clearing his chakras, and he gets to his air chakra, which is the chakra that deals with love and is blocked by grief. And you know, group critique, you know, he mentions to him that you know you have great grief, like. The, the air nomads loved you and and you had to deal with this this loss um, but then he says you know don't worry the, the love that the air nomads had for you didn't disappear it transformed into new love and you know you know they 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 kind of evaporate into this smoke and that smoke forms the shape of Katara and to me that's just just such a beautiful such a beautiful beautiful moment such a beautiful sentiment of, you know, how powerful love is. Like love transcends lifetimes. Love transcends everything. Because that love that their nomad showed Aang allows him to to love and to realize, you know, uh, love that he finds in other people. I mean, I've I've written in some video essays, I think in the in the one about uh, Sokka and, and Zuko that 
that love is, is really vital and important to um, what's necessary in order to give love. So you have to be first loved yourself. And, and this is kind of one of those uh, situations of it. Also, it's one of those moments that just really brings full circle how much guitar truly means to Aang. Um, it's just one of those beautiful moments that I, I, unlike you, I tend to cry in things, which I'm man enough to admit it. That's fine. Um, That's fine. <laughs> this is probably one of those moments I'm just like, this, that's just so beautifully done. Um, I don't think I cry every time I watch it. I'll, I'm really I'll watching admit it. I'm an emotionless stump. <laughs> Um, but just such a such a great moment, and even Aang cries at the end of it, and he's kind of more open to to everything else. This is a it is a show intended for children, and by the nature of being a show intended for children, it is full of of lessons and morals. Maybe not to the extent of a lot of other TV shows. That's why it separates itself, and why we still enjoy watching it to this day. This kid's not campy or corny, and it feels real. Uh, but in a show that is full of powerful lessons and and morals philosophy this one's probably the most prominent the biggest possible takeaway the most universally applicable thing that we could all feel uh not like it's necessarily the underlying theme of the show but probably the most powerful takeaway from the entire show and delivered in such a way that makes it feel relatable like i said one of the reasons that we probably still watch the show today is lesson this lesson specifically this moment specifically uh, but also all the other lessons it's a reminder of all the great things the show brings and tries to teach or at least teaches too strong or tries to impart and share and this is the pinnacle of those moments yep yeah it's just yeah so yeah this show it's it's an amazing show that yeah teaches so many so many life lessons the uh, the imagery here is different than any other, I would say, any other type of imagery. And it's not that it's uh, especially especially crazy or anything. It's actually pretty simple, uh, simple but effective. Um, it, it sticks in your mind, very memorable. And again, I guess I never thought of this until the, the previous, the fight scene, the final Agni Kai. But the way that they do certain things, the creators do a great job of making you focus on the things that they want you to focus on. I almost can't necessarily remember all the sounds or everything else that's happening. Uh, you just remember this beautiful dialogue in between Guru Patik and Aang. Mm -hmm. So before we get to number one, of course, we have to have a teaser. Got to keep you in suspense just for a little bit. So in our, in our efforts to put together our top 10 favorite moments... We came across about a billion other moments that we also wanted to include. <laughs> yeah. So initially, we was just going to be like, all right, we'll just put like five honorable mentions on there. And I was typing along. I was like, it's it, impossible. Can't be done. <laughs> so we came up with 10 honorable mentions. We've got uh, Ran and Shao, that, which I got to be honest, I love I love dragons. And I love that bonding between, between Zuko and Aang. Really powerful moment. Probably Probably my favorite moment from this list, personally. Um, that's called the Firebending Masters. Yeah, Toph versus everyone. So that is in the I forget the name of the championship. Blind Bandit. Um, the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. Thank you. Wait, that's Royal it. Rumble. No, that's no. not it. We're just thinking of that, actual that's an wrestling actual because thing. yeah, yeah, that's a real <laughs> thing. I can't remember the thing that she's actually in. Uh, but great demonstration of Toph's strength right out the gate too. They don't hold anything back. She's she's throwing out every move she has and just just demolishing these very large humans. 
uh, one of which happens to be Mick Foley as the boulder. That is a tremendous moment and the inspiration, the first, just a little knit of the very first, what am I trying to say? You, you already fall in love with Toph as soon as you're watching this. Shortly, uh, sorry, these aren't in any particular order. I should note that they're not ordered. You have Toph invents metal bending. That's a first time in the series that anyone has invented a type of, of bending. I, I suppose you could make an argument for a couple things that happen later. Uh, but first time we see anything like this, she, she bends metal. She works her way out of a cage. Um, I wish I had more to say about this moment because we both really liked it. It was on the fringes of our top 10 just to see her put her focus in and they do a great job of animating kind of her feeling the metal and sort of learning or understanding how to bend it internally. It's very powerful. Uh, Iroh gives Zuko a speech on inner strength. Can't remember much of the speech personally off the top of my head, but like most of everything Iroh says, it's pure gold and trying to help Zuko. One of many times trying to help Zuko find his way Chris, do you remember what he says specifically? What was his takeaway uh, line there? Well, Zuko Sorry says, to put you on the spot. I, have, I cannot think. Zuko says, then I have no hope. And Ira says, no, Prince Zuko. And in the darkest of times, hope is something you give yourself. That is the true meaning of inner strength. Yeah, that was it. I keep thinking of the one. I know it's not the same, but the one that's like yeah. uh, pride is not the opposite of shame, but rather of it's shame, but it's source. It just proves that Iroh's got too many great great things that he tells Zuko <laughs> that he imparts upon an undeserving Zuko at that time. <laughs> uh, Kiyoshi confesses murder. Kind of a one-off. We don't have a lot of things related to sort of previous avatars or not necessarily directly related to the gang, uh, but it's such a powerful moment. Uh, it's kind of a it's kind of a goofy episode. This is a turning point <laughs> at the end of the episode that you learn a lot about Kiyoshi uh, you learn a lot about uh, it imparts sort of great series lore lore that was clearly well thought out in advance of making this episode um not anything that feels packed in and in hindsight just a great way to get excited for the kiyoshi novel which if you haven't read go read it uh the lake lao guy ending another one that was pretty close i think to scratching our list we talked about it kind of off again on again a few times uh, it's one of those where there's probably just too much to lump it into one moment, but you do have, uh, you have jet dying. Aang does reunite with Appa. The blue spirit is no more. You get the dramatic mask toss away. And as Iroh and Zuko leave, you have this sort of distinct feeling. Gosh, this, this is why the crossroads of destiny hurts so much. Cause you just have this distinct feeling when, when Zuko throws that mask away that it even visually looks like he's on his new path. Um, and that things are changing around. So, Makes Crossroads Destiny hurt a little more later, but a uh, great ending of a really exciting episode. Uh, but in general, just it's almost like too big, too many moments. We couldn't pick one out, couldn't think of a thing. That's okay. Amazing episode. Katara vs. Paku. Tremendous fight scene. That is the that is the end of book one. I don't know if it's in the two-part finale, is it? Is it contained in nope. those two episodes? An episode Waterbending Master. And a tremendous fight. Very creative easily to that point the most creative use of water bending maybe even bending in general that we've seen at that point at the end of book one we probably haven't seen it used uh, so uniquely certainly water bending though great fight and then you tack on the backstory on top of that and it becomes even more emotional and powerful roku destroys the temple 
maybe the only other one where we really have a previous avatar making an appearance. Um, I know we're not real big on Roku's contributions to the history of Avatardom, uh, but in this case, at least he is... Uh, he's... Yeah, spoiler, check out our ranking of the Avatars. Yeah, you know, in hindsight, go go watch that video. That was a lot of fun to make, too. Um, so, yeah, we're not, like, real huge on his actions, but at least in hindsight, uh, he's still trying to do the right thing. He's essentially destroying a, a temple that in ways should be honoring and representing his history, and he's happy to destroy it just to help Aang and the gang get out of there. And then it's also pretty cool action, too, so kind of deep meaning underneath it, uh, but also very beautifully and awesomely animated. Uh, Katara forgiving Zuko, another little little bit of a tearjerker moment. If you are, <laughs> If you have been waiting the entire series for Zuko to come around, turn a new page, and... <laughs> Katara forgiving Zuko feels like a major staple in that moment. Finally, some some gratification happening, and it feels it feels good. It feels like there's like an air of finality to some of Juko, uh, some of Zuko's choices to this point to turn kind of turn his path around. And then finally, the Fire Lord burns Zuko. Um, seeing that backstory of how he has this scar on his face, but more importantly, this. Uh, permanent damage to his honor which at that point is his sole purpose in life is repairing that and well Escar is a nice metaphor for that it's not the type of thing that can be repaired powerful metaphor that underlies the again some people say the greatest character arc in all of television uh, and this it's all symbolized within that that beautiful burn on Zuko's face and getting to actually see it happen in in an episode you always kind of know what happened uh, but getting to see how it happened and it adds an extra layer of emotion and memorableness to it. Uh, Chris, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot. I have two questions. First of all, in hindsight, <laughs> are there any moments off the top of your head that if you if you could t- take it back and you'd throw in these honorable mentions? You can't touch the top ten. Those are objectively the best. But any moments off the top of your head that you threw out or weren't mentioned and you kind of wish they were? Um, just an opportunity for a shout out here. I don't uh, want to. I don't want to short any moments. Um, I, don't know. I mean, um, oh, um, Iroh, uh, taking taking back Blasting's day. That was a really cool moment of yeah. all the White Lotus. Uh, when Iroh, one of my favorite quotes from his, which is not a like a very um, thoughtful quote, it's just like when he's there and he just at Boston State says only once in a hundred years can a fire bending feel power like this and he just breathes like and every time he like inhales like the fire goes with them and exhales it's just beautifully just done it's just looks so masterful and then he finally unleashes all his powers to just knock straight through the walls of Boston State it's maybe that moment there's so many Iro moments that we should almost just try like a top 10 Iro moments list. Cause I keep thinking mm-hmm. of uh, dragon of the West escape in the prison, all the memorable speeches that we didn't even touch on, even with the ones we did touch on. Uh, he probably fills up a great list all by himself. Mm-hmm. And then second question of, of the honorable mentions here, if you could stuff one into the top 10, make it a top 11, what's, what's your favorite from this group or your pick for should be in the top 10. If we had, had a space we don't again they're sorry they're objective they're probably the lake lao guy ending i think the fight scene that's one of my favorite fight scenes because it's very much like a fully fledged team avatar 
uh, versus Dali agents. It's just choreographed so beautifully. Um, and then how it ends there, like with Jet dying, it really brings um, it really brings a, a weight to everything. Um, and the characters, I feel like I get the sense that they were really affected by this. Give me, give me Ren and Shao. I like dragons. Sometimes I've thought, like, could I have to build an entire YouTube channel dedicated to, to fictional dragons? And the answer is probably I couldn't because I don't have that attention to detail. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, you kind of get that bonding between Aang and Suko, and taking on this element in its in its sort of purest form or learning to master the element in the in sort of the purest way possible. Um, great great Iroh presence throughout that entire episode so I'd say going up there and mastering firebending that's a pretty powerful moment to me uh, anything else you'd like to toss in you know, on any front before we get to number one here uh, nope I don't think so too many great I'm... moments leave your favorite yeah. moments I know we're, for, we're forgetting hundreds because there's too many of them mm. uh, so please tell us your favorite moments we would love to hear them but without yeah. further ado uh, I'd do a drum roll, but this desk is really wobbly, so it'd be too loud. So without further ado, we give you our number one favorite moment in Avatar. The number one moment is the Zuko and Iroh reunion. This is a moment that I probably do tear up in every time I watch it, uh, which is amazing because, you know, in most like Disney or Pixar or like animated things uh, or real life things, the way that stories get you to, to cry about a character is if someone close to them dies, something like that. But rarely, I feel like rarely, you know, Avatar doesn't rely on that crush that much. Um, and, but it's really just a moment make you just so happy of a, of a reunion of, of people. And really it's a reunion of the ideals of these people of these people finally being on the same page. Iroh finally did it. He finally got through to Zuko and he sees it. Um, this is really one of Iroh's, probably the greatest moment in his life. Like after all that he went through with losing his son, Lutin, because he put Lutin down a path that led to his death. And he was trying to divert Zuko from that path. And before this, everything a lot of stuff that Iroh has seen in Zuko made it seem like he's he's crossed that path. Um, but he finally did. He finally saved Zuko. And the thing I love about this moment is what happens beforehand. Zuko goes to Iroh's tent and he just waits outside because he's like scared. He's afraid of what Iroh's going to think of him. And him and Guitar has a really nice moment of like, your uncle's going to be good. I mean, your uncle's going to be proud of you. And uh, it's funny because he has also has a moment with Toph, um, also in the Ember Island Players episode where Toph says, you know, your uncle, all he wanted for you was for you to find your own path, and you have, you're with us. Uh, but Zuko still has a little bit of that doubt because Zuko knows that he betrayed him. And even when Zuko walks his tent, he knows that Iroh is asleep, and season one, Zuko would have just woke him up, like, hey, uncle, wake up. But here, Zuko is patient, he is humbled, and he just sits by uncle waiting for him to wake up. And you don't know how much time has gone on. I'm guessing at least four hours. I'm guessing Zuko did not move an inch in that time. Iroh looks like, like he'd thought... take a pretty mean nap. Like, yeah. he looks like a heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah. And um, then they went there at nighttime. And it's morning when Iroh wakes up. 
Um, and I'm pretty sure like what was running through Zuko's head. Um, so to, to paint the picture even more, you know, Zuko says, you know, Iroh wakes up, right? And Iroh can feel the presence of Zuko behind him, but he still has his back turned towards him. And Iroh and Zuko with his head down, just starts to begging him, says, uncle, I know you must have mixed feelings about seeing me, but when you know, I'm so, so sorry. And he starts crying. Now, he starts crying more than even when uh, Ozai told him about Ursa. He says, I'm so sorry and ashamed of what I did. I don't know how I can ever make it up to you, but I, and at that moment, Zuko stops because Iroh grabs Zuko and embraces him and holds him and says, and Zuko says, how could you ever forgive me? I thought you'd be furious with me. And Iroh says, I was never angry with you. I was sad because I was afraid you lost your way. And then you know, Zuko says, I did lose my way. And Iroh responds back, but you found it again. You did it by yourself. And I'm so happy you found your way here. Uh, to, you know, and it's just such a beautiful moment between a father and a son who finally saved each other. Like they literally saved each other. Like Iroh was lost. Like you know, in in fire in the legs of Fire Nation. Like Iroh says, like Zuko, you saved me you know, as well. You know, they both needed each other. So it's just amazing, amazing moment. Is the moment that I always have to be focused and pay attention to. I can't just, I don't like just watching the scene in the background. I got to stop what I'm doing and, and watch it play out. It's the ultimate, it's the ultimate happy ending before the real ending. This is the ultimate happy ending. Can you imagine if the show had just stopped right after this and then we all realized that the show was just about Zuko all along? <laughs> it just cuts <laughs> off after this. You're like, still the best show of all time. And we'd have been like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, no, it really is. It really is the no, ultimate happy off. ending. Obviously, we get uh, get the big ending to the story, but um, you know, for as much as we talk uh, talk about Iroh, I, we don't always remember to mention that he, he was disgraced too. Now, not in his own mind, like he had, uh, you know, at some point in life, he turned and chose his own path. Uh, but in terms of the Fire Nation, how they were concerned, he was also disgraced and, and banished essentially to have to babysit Zuko. So it's like his purpose was to uh, change Zuko's path and help him find uh, help him find his way to essentially be a good father to a kid that didn't have a good father. Um, so he kind of achieves his ultimate purpose in this moment, and then Zuko kind of achieves his ultimate purpose in this moment. Um, and I, I don't know what else to say. It's perfectly, the perfectly happy ending um, that maybe they didn't necessarily deserve but then that's kind of the point of forgiveness like all is forgiven all is past um that's kind of the lesson maybe to be learned here or at least what Iroh's trying to teach with his quick and easy forgiveness doesn't make me tear it doesn't make me tear up as much as it makes me feel uh enlightened makes me feel empowered and that's it that that's that's our top 10 moments Chris, final, final thoughts from the top 10 moments from the greatest TV show of all time? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was hard to come up with, uh, come up with this list, even though I already had one, one made. But this the show, an amazing show full of many, many great moments, small and large. These were, these were 10 of the best, the definitive list. But please, <laughs> everyone, uh, share your top 10 moments or share whatever moments you, you want to share in, in order and no order. 
10, 100, I will read them all. Share share what we missed, because we're not going to be sad that we get to look back through good moments and, and think about which <laughs> yeah. ones we missed. That's not going to be upsetting to anyone, at least on our side of the podcast. So, uh, Chris, thanks for, to, for putting together such a thorough list. Your research is always so top-notch and always so much more thorough than mine could ever hope to be. So it's a lot of fun to to look through your list and cross-reference it again my, against mine and kind of relive the moments of the show as we went along. Again, we we started this, it was like Saturday. We're like, all right, we'll give it a couple days and we'll put our list together. It's like, we came back 10 minutes later, back and forth. It was solved the next day and it was a lot of fun the whole time. So thank you very much, Chris. Thank you very much, watchers and podcast participants for enjoying our 15th anniversary special uh, special episode we hope that you do anything at all to celebrate the anniversary of Avatar The Last Airbender. Already trying to think of what we're going to do next year. 16 is not quite a big number, but uh, Avatar will get it. It'll get a driver's license, although that might be 17 now. But anyway, thank you so much, everybody. And we will talk to you again next week. Uh, it probably, it'll probably feel like a step down after this episode, but that's fine. This is a lot of fun. So thank you. See you guys later.